We'll turn in your Bibles to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And um, I didn't know that Sunday nights we're supposed to wear a tie now. So, uh, anyways, <clears throat> um, yeah, we're in chapter 5. And uh, don't know if I'll need that commentary that you looked at real quick. Uh, so, Ecclesiastes <clears throat> chapter 5 has uh, a couple different subjects in it. And <clears throat> let me just begin by saying this, that the opening line from a 1960 song by Joey Jones goes something like this. You talk too much, you worry me to death. You talk too much, you even worry my pet. And so let me introduce you to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and let me introduce you to a person who is called the fool. And before we begin, let me, let me pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your holy, inspired word. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have it in a language that we uh, can understand. And so, Father, as I uh, begin to uh, uh, preach through this uh, section, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would uh, help me to speak with uh, clarity Help me to speak with uh, urgency and with power. And I thank you, Lord, so much, Father, for the uh, privilege it is to uh, stand behind this desk and feed your people. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, you'd be pleased with all that's been done already. And I pray that you would be done with what's coming in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> well, chapter 5... Of Ecclesiastes uh, changes course from the fourth chapter to some observations about worship. And we need to remember that the worship in the temple by, by this time uh, had been built by now. The, the, uh, the, the temple had been built through the efforts of Solomon, the, uh, the preacher, and worship in the temple was much more consuming than the worship of our typical Sunday. The people of Israel would, in fact, need to cleanse the body, cleanse the clothes before attending the worship service. And in fact, the people of Israel they would need to travel to the city of Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And so this chapter, chapter 5, begins with the preacher's observations on the proper attitude in worship. And then beginning at verse 8, he turns and begins to observe some of the pitfalls of focusing 
too much on wealth and the pitfalls and the emptiness, or as we've come across many times, the, the vanity of, of having it. So chapter 5 and verse 1, let me just uh, begin and read the first uh, several verses, and then we'll, 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 we'll come back and, and look at them in a little more uh, detail. Reading out of the ESV, chapter 5, verse 1, says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know what they are doing, that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's voice with many words. When you bow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger, it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one that you must fear. And so in the first few verses, we have the sacrifice of the fool, the voice of the fool, the vow of the fool, and the dreams of the fool. Now, as, I see, as, I, as I've looked at this and looked at this, I see the sacrifice of the fool and the voice of the fool uh, kind of uh, combined. And the sacrifice of the fool and the voice of the fool have to do with talking too much and listening too little, especially when he or she goes to the house of worship. So we see again that this uh, that, that the fool here is someone who does too much talking, not enough listening. How many of us do the same thing? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. We are to guard our steps. In fact, we might say it like this: Guard your steps. It could be also translated um, that we might say it like this. You better watch your step. I don't know if your mom or dad ever said that to you. Uh, my mom said it, not to me, but to my sisters. But, uh, you know, as a <clears throat> missy, you better watch your step. And so um, we're, we're called upon to, to, to watch our step when we go to the house of worship. Coming to church to worship is not to be done flippantly, nor is it to be done grudgingly with gritted teeth. Okay? So, Psalm, uh, Psalm 100, in fact, uh, tells us how we are to how we are to come. 
We are to come and make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And that word joyful noise is an ear-splitting noise. And in fact, uh, I've heard rumors that there's a football game this evening. And I promise you there will be ear-splitting noise at that football game. We're called to serve the Lord with gladness. We're called to come into his presence with singing. And we're called in verse 3 to know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so it's all about perspective. And the uh, writer of Ecclesiastes here, the, uh, the preacher, uh, Solomon, says that we are to come with the knowledge that God is in heaven and we are on the earth, as verse 2. And then says, therefore, let your words be few. And as I went through this passage, uh, the, the, the various times that the word fool is used is I counted three times. Uh, first is in verse 1, the sacrifice of fools. The uh, second is in verse 3, where it talks about a fool's voice. And then finally, uh, later on, it's, it's, it's written that, uh, th- that the fool is, uh, is in there uh, for a, a third time. Also, <clears throat> the word or other words for the word mouth is used in verse 2. I counted eight times. You have mouth, utter, voice, your words, vow in verse 4, vow at the end of verse 4, mouth in verse 6, and then voice in verse 6 also. And so we find that that the words for utter or mouth or words or voice are used. So there's a lot of uh, talking going on here. And uh, Solomon says you need to watch it. You need to watch it. You need to watch your step. The vow of the fool is in uh, verses uh, 2 through 5. Don't be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word. Therefore, let your words be few. Uh, When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Verse 6 says, Do not let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? So let me, uh, let me throw out a couple questions here. How many of you have ever promised God something? Don't raise your hands. But how many of you have ever promised God something? Now, how many of you have ever kept that promise. I've been around the block a few times 
in church services, and I, and I see that so many Christians have been moved uh, emotionally during a revival service, perhaps, uh, maybe a special message, and they made a vow to God at that point to go to the mission field. They were going to go to uh, Bible college and be a, uh, be a preacher, et cetera, et cetera. How about during one of the sermons that we've had, even in this body, on caring for others, pulling up a chair, putting on a towel to serve others? How many of us sat here and said, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do that. I, I need to do that. So let me ask another question. How many of y'all and me have followed through on those vows that we made? In fact, many of us have made a vow to love, honor, and cherish till death do we part. Now, I have to tell you, I have been a spectator at many weddings over the years, and let me just say this. I have yet to see a bride or groom pledging their vows, standing up here and pledging their vows with their fingers crossed. You know, I, I promise to take her and you know, love her and honor and cherish and, and like that. I, I've never seen a groom or, or a bride stand up here and offer their vows with their fingers crossed. We're told here that God takes our vows very, very seriously. In uh, the uh, <clears throat> book of Numbers, You don't have to turn there. I'll just uh, I'll get there and read it. In the book of Numbers, chapter uh, 30. Book of Numbers, chapter 30. And uh, verse, uh, verse 2. Verse 1 says, Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel, saying, This is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. And so when you're back in uh, the book of uh, Ecclesiastes and, <clears throat> and, and chapter 5, again, it's all about perspective, remembering who we are, and who God is, that God is in heaven, and we are here on earth. The sin here is trifling with the holy, as Derek Kidner says. In fact, it is better to stay silent and be thought-wise than to speak and remove all doubt. In uh, <clears throat> Back a few pages in the uh, book of uh, Proverbs... Proverbs has a lot to say about, uh, about speaking and the mouth. In uh, Proverbs uh, 16, 
Uh, let's see. Actually, it's uh, Proverbs uh, 17 and verse 28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. He is deemed intelligent. One New Testament example of paying a vow and should have been kept and was not is found in the book of Acts. And I'm sure that many of y'all uh, know, know this already, know the story in Acts chapter 5. We have two people, husband and wife, a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira. They sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon them all. And then it goes on, and uh, Sapphira did the same thing, and she met the same unhappy result. So we're told here that Ananias and Sapphira, they could have kept back all the money and given some labor later, but they wanted to appear super pious. So we might would say they filled out a pledge card. Remember those back in the day? You, you pledged us so much money for the uh, building fund, the roof fund, whatever fund. Uh, but, the, but they had uh, brought a pledge card to the, uh, to the apostles, and we know what happened after that. So, but above all else, we are to come to worship with a receptive attitude and a readiness to listen rather than lecture. We are to come with a readiness to listen rather than a readiness to lecture God on what he ought to do. We are, in fact, to come to worship not in order to, to brag or to bargain, but instead we are to come to, to listen. Ecclesiastes 5, first several verses, says that, the, uh, that, that we are not to be like the fool. The fool comes instead to criticize. The fool comes to criticize the church, the sermon, or the singing, and yet many times this fool has made a vow, a promise in the past, and never follow through. Never follow through on it. I believe that if all the folks who have made promises to God and to the leaders 
of churches and they would actually carry them out, the church would be so strong that the world would have to take notice. We have too many folk out there who've made vows and then got home and went, what was I thinking? I can't do I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. No. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I just, God, sorry, I just got caught up in the moment. Well, we see here and in book of Numbers that God takes those vows um, very, very seriously. In verses uh, 5 through 7, it is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at you? Your voice and, dis and, and destroy the work of your hands. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one whom you must fear. How many of you all know that uh, for most of us, we get in a lot of trouble with this here, the thing that we smile with, with our mouths? We get into, uh, many times we get into trouble uh, but because we just, we talk too much. And here the preacher tells us that there is no sin in the silence but his dreams his dreams of the fool cause him to talk too much. And again, sometimes we come to worship not to listen, but rather to bargain, bargain with God. God, if you will blank, then I will blank. As the fool engages in uh, mental daydreaming, during the worship service, or as, and I like this, or as Derek Kidner calls it, mental doodling. You know, how many of us have seen kids take up pencil or, or teenagers and kind of draw on the back of the bulletin and that kind of thing? Well, Kidner says that uh, many of us uh, as adults, we, we engage in mental doodling. And we're told here that, that God is angry and the preacher is reminding his readers that God is the one, in fact, whom we should fear. In verse 8, we see the vanity of wealth and riches, and it goes all the way through the, uh, the end of the chapter. So let me just read the uh, uh, maybe four or five verses here just to get us on track. Verse 8 says, If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. 
And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. You know, this might seem to be a, a strange place or maybe even an awkward place to uh, insert commands about, about wealth and how to handle uh, wealth, but yet the two areas of life and living that are the most important to uh, our Lord over and over and over again are worship and wealth. God is very, very concerned about both. Man must begin as a worshiper of God before he can enjoy the gifts and the wealth, whatever level that might be, before he can enjoy the gifts and the wealth that God gives. The rest of this chapter goes on to describe the vanity or the emptiness of wealth, especially the wealth that comes from taking advantage of the poor, as we read here in verses uh, 8 through uh, 9. Verse 10, he who loves money never has money enough, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is a vanity. In 1 Timothy 6, 10 says that it's not the money that's the sin, it's rather the love of money that God uh, that God condemns because when we have that drive, that love for money, many times it causes us to make decisions that are not pleasing to the Lord and that we, in fact, will regret. In the, again, back in the book of Proverbs and chapter 17, chapter 17, and verse uh, 16, we're told, Why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? When he has no sense. This is somebody who's, who's wealthy, but he ain't got a, as used to say down home, he ain't got a lick of sense. So we see this, uh, th we see this here. And then also in uh, Proverbs uh, 16 and verse 8 is another uh, verse that talks about money a little bit. Proverbs 16 and verse 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. And that's what we just saw in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 5 and uh, again verses uh, 8 through Eight through ten. The rest of the chapter again of, of, of Ecclesiastes five talks about the vanity, the emptiness of wealth, uh, especially the wealth that comes from taking advantage of the poor. The <clears throat> the love of money, in fact, brings with it a vicious cycle. As we just looked at, he who loves money never has money enough. Uh, John D. Rockefeller was once asked, how much money 
is enough. And his response back was, one dollar more. And he already had more money than a person could spend in all kinds of lifetimes. The preacher goes on to observe the sadness and the emptiness of the unending craving for money. Wealth brings its own set of worries. And I'm guessing that by many of us here might be sitting there going, well, I wouldn't mind trying. Let's see how I would handle uh, wealth. But compared to many places in this world, we would be considered wealthy. But once you get wealthy, you need a team of money managers. In fact, what are we told uh, many times, folks who've, uh, who've, who've won the lottery or they've inherited a, uh, a stack of money? They're told, you got to get you a financial planner. you got to get you a money manager, somebody to uh, take, take care of it. And you need a team of money managers, we're told, because wealth brings new friends that you never knew you had and new relatives that you never knew you had, right? That cousin five times removed, all of a sudden called, oh, yeah, I was at your, uh, I was at your son's graduation. Uh, okay, all right. So, but here we're told... Uh, that when goods increase, they increase who eat them. In other words, more people got their hand in the, uh, in the cookie jar, more people who want a piece of the pie. And what advantage has their owner but to look at them? He can look at his wealth and look at these people with his own eyes. Verse 12, sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or whether he eats much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep because someone who is rich is worried about his money. He's worried about the money. He's worried about the stock market. He's always looking at the, uh, you know, at, at the stock exchange and the Dow Jones and, and like that. But the laborer can go to sleep with a sweetness because he doesn't worry about Money. How many times have we seen uh, in the in the news or on uh, certain channels that the uh, lottery winners end up broke at the end of the day? Uh, how many of us uh, can think back of uh, boxers, professional prize fighters? They end up poor many times and friendless, even though. While they're famous and they're winning titles, they've got a whole entourage around them. But when the money's gone, then the friends are gone. When the money is gone, so, so, is, the, uh, so is the entourage. I've not seen anybody here coming in these doors with an entourage. So... Apparently, we're all in the same boat. I don't have an, you know, I come with Robin, two of us, and that's it. We don't have an entourage. They're waiting in the parking lot for us. No, we, we, don't, have, uh, we don't have an entourage at all. <clears throat> Verses uh, 
uh, 12 that we just looked at, that, that the laborer, his sleep is, is sweet because he's accomplished something without the worries of the wealth. Verse 13, there was a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And so we see that riches that are kept by the owner will end up hurting you in the long run. We're told, I, I, I take it like this, don't be stingy. If God has blessed you with some manner of wealth, don't be stingy with it. We just came out of the Christmas season. Don't be a Scrooge. Don't be a Scrooge. And we're told in verse 14 that those riches were, in fact, lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son. But he has nothing in his hand. He hasn't, he's already, it's, the money's gone. He's already blown through his money. And he has nothing to give to his heirs. Verse 15 as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. Job 121 says, Naked came I, and naked do I return. I've just, a, uh, I've just uh, uh, preached a funeral for a good friend this past Friday. And there was not a uh, U-Haul trading behind the, the coach with the coffin. And so uh, we, uh, you know, the old thing is we, we can't take it with us, but yet we need to manage our money well and be generous with what God has given us. We're told also here, I think, in this passage that work and a job well done brings its own sense of satisfaction. With much wealth brings much danger, particularly in, in losing it, and losing it suddenly. Don't, again, don't be a Scrooge. There is the sense in which the posting you know, at the bottom of the TV screen many times on some channels of the daily posting of the Dow Jones adds to our stress level if we're, uh, if we're concerned about that. In verse, uh, uh, let's see, in verse uh, 16, this also is a grievous evil, just as it came, shall, shall, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot." Let me just summarize. Folks, we need to... Solomon, the wisest man, and one of the wealthiest human beings ever. You remember the Queen of Sheba came to see him, and she was 
overwhelmed at all of his wealth. And she was used to wealth. She was a queen. And here Solomon himself says that it's fitting and good to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils. Let me just say this. Find your passion. Find your passion and work hard at it. Find your passion and work hard at it because we're told here that we have few days of our lives. Verse 19, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this too is a gift of God. You know, I think, uh, and Solomon tells us this, it must be a very, very sad individual indeed who has worked and worked. Maybe he's inherited some money and, uh, and now his, his wealth has come and, you know, he's, he's got all kinds of wealth, but he can't enjoy it. He cannot enjoy it. And I, like I said, most, probably most of us are sitting here going, well, I could help him. I can help him enjoy it. But Solomon says it's a gift from God to have wealth and to be able to enjoy it. And in fact, Solomon says that the, uh, the, the, the ability to get wealth, to work, and have possessions is a gift from God indeed. And so we're to find our passion in life. We are to enjoy our position in life, whatever that might be, and that will give its own satisfaction. And this satisfaction brings contentment. And it brings contentment with, with a life that, apart from the cares of money, life will have a sense of peace and joy that comes from God alone. Look with me at verse, uh, verse 19, and then we'll be, uh, we'll be done here. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and the power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. There are tons of folks who have retired and you say, wow, you know, how, do, do you miss it? Do you miss not working? And they'll say, you know what? It went by so fast and I was having so much fun. I miss it some, but now I'm in a new season of life and I'm enjoying where I'm at and I'm enjoying the, the, the gifts and the wealth that, that God has, uh, has given me has given me as I've worked hard to earn it, to earn it. So again, we need to find our passion, work hard at it, be careful with the wealth that we have. And when we come to worship, watch your step and be careful what you say and what you vow because God will certainly 
hold us accountable for that. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you, Lord, for the, uh, the words of the, uh, of the preacher, of, of Solomon, Lord, the, the, the man that you granted uh, wisdom above everybody in his, uh, in his day. And so, Lord, when he talks about and teaches us about uh, money and wisdom and worship, then we need to sit up and take notice. And so, Father, I would just ask, Lord, that uh, even this evening as we're uh, gathered together to uh, go through this uh, winter conference on the book of Ecclesiastes, that you would uh, help us to remember and have the right perspective that you are in heaven, we are here on earth, and we should not make vows rashly and in a manner of emotion. And so, God, I thank you, Lord, for these folks. Thank you, Lord, for their attentiveness. And, Father, I commit them all into your good and loving hand. And uh, thank you, Lord, for them. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Phil, and uh, we look forward to meeting your entourage out in the parking lot. We're all going to go out there and see who that is, right? And they're here for Robin, right? So, well, thank you for that, and I, I pray that uh, you and I will spend some time, all of us, uh, reading through Ephesians 5 and, and anticipating, uh, excuse me, Ecclesiastes 5 and anticipating Ecclesiastes 6 this next Lord's Day. So, thank you for coming this evening. I just want to remind you of a few things uh, before we're dismissed. Um, please, if you haven't signed up for the Caleb Club yet, uh, that sign-up is going on, and that's, uh, that's this Thursday, and, and uh, it's for our, our senior saints, and it's always a great time of fellowship and, and food, so we'd love to have you. Also, if you haven't done so yet, whether or not you have uh, someone deposited in the youth room, one of your children, I hope that every one of you will make your way down to the youth room to see the renovations that they've done. They've really, really done some neat things to the youth room, and uh, it will be a lot of fun for you to just walk around and look at the creativity. That's what I do. I go in there and look at the creativity I don't have, and uh, I, I appreciate the youth staff and Pastor Michael and his team and what they've done there. It's been a good day, um, good Lord's Day. It's been great to be at the table with you this morning. And I pray that you have a great week. We'll be a group of us, a good-sized group, will be meeting at, um, at I think, uh, in the early afternoon, late morning for a prayer meeting on Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon. And then at 7 o'clock, we'll be having our regular prayer gathering as well. You're invited. A lot of time spent in prayer and in fellowship. So would you stand with me as we're dismissed in a word of prayer and then have a great rest of your evening and a great rest of your week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today, the gift of the Lord's Day. It's been a, a day where we've shifted gears, and we, we've come to the table together. We've examined our hearts together. We've sung praises together. We've found ourselves lingering long at the cross this morning. And then tonight, just being reminded of uh, the truths from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, that we are your children, and you are our Lord. You are the one that... That, that with whom we have to do, as the writer says in the New Testament. And uh, so our commitments to you and our, our, our 
devotion to you must be driven by wisdom and fueled by grace and concerned with your purview, with, your, well, with what you've given to us to enjoy. And uh, so I pray as we continue on with this theme and this study of Ecclesiastes, we will become wiser uh, by your grace and for your glory as your people. We love you, Lord, and as we press into this week, we do so on mission as gospel people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.